Hey, Calvary, this is Patrick Sebecki filling in for Jay Ewing here on The Weekly while Jay's on sabbatical. Thanks for listening this week. We're talking to Zach Thompson out at the Thornton campus. I'm just so excited to hear how the Lord is working, how he's moving, and continuing to teach us through Zach. As always, if you need more information, you can go to calvarybible.com. You can check out the location that's nearest to you and see all the exciting things that's happening this summer here at the Thornton campus, at the Erie campus, and in the Boulder campus, of course. So we're so grateful. I'm so grateful to be out here. Came out to the beautiful Thornton campus today to meet with you, Zach. How's it been out here? It's been great. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for the fact that you didn't make me drive. That was fantastic. So that that is just a wonderful picture of how gracious you are uh, to me. Uh, and and yeah, it, it's been it's been great. Two and a half years of being a campus, and and uh, it's always fun. We had uh, Thomas out here last week, and Gary the week before. Excited to have uh, John out here this week, and it's it's so fun to hear back from them. And it's this reminder of I don't I don't know these people. Uh, just. Uh, how many people have joined, been, become part of Calvary, love seeing what Calvary's been doing, uh, and, and want to be part of that. It's been really encouraging to see people coming, people being transformed, people loving Jesus in the city of Thornton. Oh, that's so exciting, Zach. Yeah. I, I just love the story of the Thornton campus. I was, uh, I had been in conversation with the Calvary leadership about a job before 2020. And so I was talking to John when the building got given to Calvary and all of these fun things. Oh, this is such a crazy, incredible thing that the Lord has done out here in Thornton. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's cool, man. So this week we're continuing on in the This We Believe series Mm -hmm. and you as part of the rotation of pastors with same message going to different campuses have been preaching on God the Father. You've done it in Thornton and Erie, and next week you're coming out to Boulder, right? Slight correction. Oh. Gary, Gary again, uh, ah. the, did part of the graciousness that you have. He came out to the Thornton campus and oh. did the first leg of God the Father nice. uh, on this campus, which works out well. I'm, I'm yeah. sure the Thornton campus is sick of hearing from me, and so they got to hear this message coming from the exceptional Gary Osborne. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's not true, but I'm excited at the Boulder campus. You don't to think Gary Osborne's exceptional? He is. He is. I don't think the Thornton campus is tired of hearing from gotcha. you. That's a good gotcha. clarification <laughs> though. Thanks for it. But I, I listened to the message this morning on my way over here. Part of the, the joy of driving over to the Thornton campus yeah. is it gave me time. You could you could squeeze in like three different messages on your drive over from Boulder. Maybe at like triple speed, mm. but I don't, it's not it's not quite that far. Yeah. I live in South Boulder, so it's okay. an easy jump on thirty six. Gotcha. So it's not it's not bad. Yeah, but I just was, I I, I personally was so helped by your connections with. I mean, you had a, a large task in front of you, and you mentioned that of. You're covering two of the statements in the statement of faith that talk about God, who God is, what kind of being he is, and that he's the father. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so those of you who have heard it, do you want to just, they, they'll know the flow, but even you, you re-explained the outline to me just before we got on and I found it so helpful. So what, what was, how are you thinking about connecting those two huge topics. Yeah. Can, can I start by reading the article just so in, in case yeah. anyone hasn't read it or uh, you don't have it memorized, uh, which is me. And so I would like to, to remind myself of what it says. Uh, so in our statement of faith that we get from our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, 
this is the first thing that's listed as to what is a core truth, a core conviction that unites us as a denomination, as Calvary Bible Church. This is what we believe to be true. And it starts with, we believe. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and to make all things new for his own glory. So in in that statement, there's a lot that you can latch on. There is one God that uh, in in a world where there's a variety of religions, there is a variety of gods that is being worshipped. In the midst of that, we say there is only one God. It, it also describes this God that he is not made of parts or anything like that. He's not multiple gods. He's not a, a multifaceted God. There is one God. He's creator. All right, we could spend a lot of time on that. There, there's questions as to what does it mean that God has created things. Uh, could have spent a lot of things on it. There's descriptions <laughs> of it. He's holy, infinitely perfect, eternally existing, limitless knowledge, sovereign power. Like we can focus on what does it tell us about what God is like? Mm. He's three equally divine, <laughs> divine persons, <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we just said there is one God. And then we say there's equally three equally divine persons. How, how, do, how does that work out? Mm. And then the part that very much so had to get to, which is is part of him being God the Father, how he's revealed himself as a father. God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and make all things new for his own glory. There, there's a lot packed into there. It's it's so dense, as, as statements of faith tend to be. Yeah. There's just so much that is said, but it's helpful to have it summarized yeah. so succinctly. Absolutely, right? yeah. And, and, and talked about that a little bit on on Sunday, uh, without having this statement of faith, uh, or why we find it to be valuable, why we want to spend the summer on it, mm. it's it's really easy to uh, to try to shift towards other things that we have as our source of truth or belief system. Mm. That our statement of faith is not the Bible, but we do think it is a summary of what the Bible says. And so, as we look at our statement, it's the reminder as what is true, uh, what is true about God. Uh, the second reason why it's valuable, without focusing on truth, it's easy to be blown away, to, to latch on to other things, to go astray. And then uh, a part that I really try to spend some time on and why it's valuable to do this, this, this isn't a mental exercise. We, we don't think about God because it's cool to get facts. Uh, we think about God because it shapes and directs our lives, that there is an aspect to it that we start to live out in the understanding of, of what do we believe. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Even that picture of how humans work that we've talked through, that what you believe about the world informs everything about who you are. It informs what you love, what you decide to value, and all these different things that end up affecting our actions, how we spend our time and money and energy. Mm-hmm. And I've just really appreciated that in the background of all of this as like we're we're starting here because we want to understand that one, kind of everybody who ever has said they're a Christian, regardless of what they actually believe, has said they believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so having a statement like this helps us clarify, okay, we believe the Bible and we believe the Bible says this mm-hmm. about these certain topics. And we're gonna say that, 
hey, that's there are other places that people land on these things, but we as Calvary, as part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, are going to say this is what the Bible says about these things. Mm. And how much that lines up with the historical creeds has been really cool for me to see. I'm in seminary, and so I'm taking a class on the ancient fathers who are like working out these problems of the incarnation and the Trinity for the first time in history. Cause really neither of those uh, incarnation gets pretty clearly alluded to, but that word doesn't get used and mm-hmm. neither does Trinity. And so they're like working out, how do we, how do we defend these things and articulate these things well against people who are shooting off in a hundred different directions of misunderstandings about, okay, if God is the father, what does that mean about Jesus being the son and carrying into it all of the things we think about fatherhood and sonship? And, oh, it's just, it's just so interesting to be like, okay, over the history, it's been so good and so helpful to have people who have worked through how to articulate clearly what the Bible says and do it in a way that clarifies and actually gives us a better picture of how to read the Bible altogether than it would if we were just sitting alone with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's fascinating. So it was talking a little bit um, in the, in the message about these misconceptions that we have about God. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it ties into what you're talking about of church history. When, when we think about uh, our understanding about God it, it sometimes gets accused of like, oh, we're just kind of making it up along the way. Like someone comes up, says something, no, that's not it. So let's let's have this really big statement that's going to correct that thing. And, and people accuse uh, the church of making things up along the way. But uh, I, I think it's this picture of we all have misconceptions about God. And, and some of that is just because of how we're designed. God is infinite. Uh, he is eternal. He is everlasting. He, he is all these things that we are not. And so for us to try to wrap our minds around him, it, it's, it's impossible. He's so different than, than who we are. And so we, we kind of fumble at words. We, we say things that he's not. You even think of infinite. There is a negation at the beginning. He's not finite. The best way we can describe him, he's not like us in this way. Uh, he is uh, limitless. That's a negation. He doesn't have a... So, so much of our language is negative when talking about God because we can't conceptualize him fully. And so what we see throughout church history is this, this understanding as someone comes up and says something like, this is what God is like. And as we, as we vigorously search the scriptures, we say, no, that's not true. And that's a sharpening time for the church rather than like we get these moments of, ah, this, this guy said it, we don't like that thing. So we're going to create uh, the belief to be something else. No, as, as we see things that are not true, that starts to sharpen our understanding of who this God is. As, as mm. we see things that, that we can't describe about him, as we get to better language than just saying, well, he's not this thing and he's not this thing, it, it actually helps our understanding of him. So these misconceptions even that we have of God, as we get to uh, go to, to God's word, as we get to sharpen it in conversations like this one, it, it's mm. actually helping us to better arrive at an understanding of this infinite God. That's so, that's so good and helpful. I even think of, as you were talking, my professor, he said, he had this statement that the connection between biblical theology, just what the Bible says on its own and systematic theology, the summaries we have answering certain questions, the connection between biblical and systematics 
is church history. Mm-hmm. It's the way in which the church throughout the years has answered these questions. And he's, so he says that in lecture one, and he's like, that's why this matters because you can't just pick up a systematic theology and understand all the ways that those answers were got to, even though it is good to pick up and read a systematic theology and understand it. But to know that for 2000 years, the people of the church have been wrestling with the scriptures, with the contemporary issues, with the misunderstandings, and come to some really great conclusions that we just get to inherit. Yeah, and and even uh, I know I know we're using a lot of terms. E- even as we have people here who, what does systematic theology mean? Totally. Like as we talk about creeds, what are, what are these creeds? As we talk about church history, it's well maybe not know much about church history. Like e- even as as we're describing these things that, that you may or may not be familiar with, we all have thoughts about God that that creep into our minds, mm. that that uh, trick us into having this false image of God. So uh, I. A few that that come to mind. Sometimes we we treat God uh, kind of like he's he's Santa Claus, like he's there, just there to to grant our wishes. To uh, we tell him the things that we want, and we hope that we get those things. Or uh, we we see him as this like kind older man who who just has this really big heart, but uh, he, he's just so frail that he's not able to do any any of these things. And of course, like if you asked us what is God like, we would never say, "Oh, he's this kind, frail old man." Like we would never articulate that thing. But as these thoughts about God start to creep into our lives, as maybe we're praying a lot and and we're wondering, "When is God going to do this thing?" I, I'm trusting Him for this thing, and it's just not happening. Maybe it starts to feel like God's a slot machine, and we're just putting in coins, we're putting in prayers, and it's just not paying out yet. And mm-hmm. and that starts to shape our understanding of who God is. So, so whether or not we we know what's happened in church history, whether or not we know theological terms, we all have those moments. I, I, yeah. I and or. I, I'm trusting that you have, uh, oh. Patrick. I, I certainly have. Yes. <laughs> Quite often, we all have these moments where our our world around us starts to shape our understanding of God, and and that, as we said, what we believe about God impacts how we're living. And in those times, if if God's just a slot machine, then he's impersonal. We're just wondering. He, he's random. Uh, we're just wondering uh, when is he going to do what we're hoping he does, and and that starts to shape how we live. So whether whether we can articulate or not, we all have these moments where we start to get this misunderstanding of God. And, and rather than that being a detrimental thing, I think it's those those moments where we start to recognize that, where we start to look instead to the picture of God that's given to us in the Bible that actually helps us in a better understanding of him and a better relating to him as well as we recognize what isn't true about him instead strive towards what is. Yeah. Man, thanks for that. Even that helpful clarification of like, it's just, it's just normal life Mm -hmm. to have these questions. And that's, that's why, that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're here. That's why we're going to continue in the series, right? Is to be able to see, okay, we're all answering these basic questions all the time. Mm -hmm. And we want to know how the Bible answers those questions. Yeah. And I think, when it comes to God being infinite, being the father, being all these incredible things that you mention, is there like a place in the scripture? I, there are multiple places I talk about. Uh, I talked about last time with Mark how you can find a version of the E-Free statement that has all of the biblical references and yeah. it's just packed. 
<laughs> with different scriptures that yep. you can go to to see how the writers came to the conclusions they came to. But is there uh, maybe one or two places that you found really helpful as you were thinking about this message about God being our Father? Yeah, so it is it is one of the primary ways that God actually reveals himself. And, and this is so helpful as, as we are prone to misconceptions about him, as we are uh, prone to uh, not understand him fully because he's so different than us. Mm-hmm. It, it can you know, We can get stuck in this place where we could just throw our hands up and say, well, we can't know anything about him. He's too different. Or uh, we do give in to these misconceptions because we have no other picture to, to try to understand him with. Instead, God graciously, all throughout Scripture, has revealed himself in the language of fatherhood with all the caring and knowledge of us and no ability of him that that comes with, with all the love and correction that that comes with, with all, with all support and encouragement that that picture comes with. I mean, we see it clearly with, with Jesus all throughout. It, John, in particular, the book of John, um, mm. is constantly referring to God as Father. John 5, 17, my Father is working until now, and I am working. Uh, and that's we're even told in the next verse that this is one of the reasons why the, the Jews are trying to kill Jesus, because he's calling God his own Father and making himself equal to God. And, and we might say in that moment, like, that that's... So great that Jesus is calling him Father. That makes sense to us. Well, what does Jesus invite us to pray in Matthew 6? His encouragement to all of his followers is to start praying by saying, Our Father. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that's just true about Jesus. It's true for all of us. We all have that ability to call on him. It's the language that, that God revealed himself as in the Old Testament to the Jewish people. Uh, Isaiah 63 says, You are our Father. Uh, 64, O Lord, you are our father. Uh, it's, it's all throughout just, the Bible. Just in case you missed it. The yeah, chapter right. before, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it shows up constantly that we are able to call on him as father, but not in some mere name. He's not just named father. He is acting and fulfilling that role of father yeah. to us. Oh, that's, that's so powerful. Even just hearing how he so clearly demonstrates that in the Old Testament and then brings it up so powerfully again throughout the Gospel of John. Like That's so sweet mm. of like, oh, yeah, that is really how God wants us to see him in a lot of ways. I, that, Yeah, I think there's just so much confusion about what God is. It's like almost a joke at this point of like you can't tell someone what God is, but I think the cultural joke that I have heard more than a few times, but if God is anything, it's probably a black woman is like the joke. And so, and not to say that that's like particular, like God isn't race. He isn't a gender, but he reveals himself as father in the scriptures. And it's helpful just to have, even though I don't think the the old picture of Zeus with the big flowing white beard is the most helpful uh, it it's not, but to even see that there there are aspects of fatherhood, the the love and the care, the intimacy that you mentioned, that go beyond any of our small pictures of fathers, which are are real and are helpful in some ways and hurtful in other ways, mm-hmm. but that God reveals Himself and transcends all those categories at the same time. That's right. That's so, so good and helpful. Are there ways that you 
you see, I mean, you talk about this in your message, you apply it in some really sweet ways. Was there like a, a pastoral applicable way that you were thinking that you just couldn't quite get to in the message that you'd still want people to hear from just some of these passages about what does it, what does it mean to have God as our father? Yeah. I, I, so one of the one of the ones I brought up, so Psalm 103 has this comparison. So as a father has compassion on his children, our, a God has compassion on those who fear him. So we, we even get going back to that point to where it's not just some title for God. To, like, we don't address him as father, so we don't confuse him with, with the spirit or, or the son. Like it, It's not just a name that's given to him, he has the characteristics of that. Mm -hmm. And so with him being called father, there's the knowability. So as we think about how can we possibly wrap our minds around this God, he's so different than us. uh, Yeah. Without him revealing himself as a father, without him making himself known, there's no possible way that we could understand it. And we're still limited in how we can try to grasp him, but with the relationship aspect, we can become more and more aware of who he is, more and more aware of what he's like, and that helps us to live more and more in the way that he's called us to do. So a father is a personal term. Uh, Without him revealing himself in this way, we could not personally know this God. Mm. To put that positively, because God has revealed himself as a father, we can know him. Um, Talked about in Psalm 103, he has compassion uh, on, on those who follow him. So it's it's not a cold relationship either. It is one that's full of the love of a father and a, and a father that's uh, doing their role as, as they ought to. You mentioned not all of us have great experiences with fathers or uh, or have great experiences with the idea of fathers even. And that's hard for us to disentangle when we talk about God the Father. Our experience is going to shape understandings of what a father is. Uh, but we all have an understanding of what fathers ought to be doing. And that picture, I think, points us to a better understanding of God the Father. So we all say a father should be compassionate, should be loving, should be there to guide and encourage and correct and and uh, to love. And, and we understand that a father should do those things. No father has ever done that perfectly. And yet we see God the Father perfectly loving perfectly compassionate, perfectly encouraging, perfectly guiding his children. Mm -hmm. And so the picture that we have of him uh, operating in this way shows uh, his love and care for us. But we also have uh, the the fact that with a father like this, how, how, how then does that shape us? I mean, I think of Romans eight, the, the famous passage, verse 31 uh, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Mm-hmm. We see a picture of a father right there, of a love uh, for his children through his son, uh, giving this this protection in there. Who, uh, if God is for us, who could be against us? Uh, what does it say about us that we have God as a father? Well, no one could possibly stand against us. We have the infinite, perfect, holy, powerful God as our protector and guider. 
What does it say about our value? Well, we have been made sons and daughters by this God through his son. So we have been given the value and dignity that that comes with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, when, whenever we might be down on ourselves or question our self-worth, you have the God, the one God that we believe in who has called you his child. Like, What, what is more valuing than that? Uh, when we... Mm wonder what are we supposed to do well we have the god of all guidance and protection who's mm-hmm. who's we're able to call on for all things what do we do when when uh, we have some obstacle that we are wondering about when when we fear what might happen to us in the future well we have the one god who is uh there to pick us up when we fall down to to give encouragement and direction that we have access to uh, that we can know because he has revealed himself as a father yeah. Yeah. And even the, the generosity of that passage of the, the logic that Paul gives of God gave his son. He gave the most valuable one for us. Mm-hmm. What What's to stop us from asking for anything else? Yeah. He already gave the most valuable thing in all creation, his son to die for us. What's to stop him? And even just the comforting fact behind that of like, okay, then when I ask and don't receive, it's not because God is holding out on me or, Mm. or can't give it. It's because he knows I, and this has just become so clear to me as the father of a toddler. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that my daughter asks for that I'm like, okay, just wait. And sometimes the waiting of more than like three seconds is just unendurable for sure. her. She just freaks out. And I'm like, it's, it, this will happen. I promise. Just, just wait a little bit, whether it's because we're in the car going somewhere or because we're getting dinner ready. Now I have the limitations that I can't do everything all at once for my daughter in the way God could, but knowing that he knows us and in the moments when he says no, to a prayer in the moments when he says it's not yet to time, we can know that he's still so he actually knows so much more than us and knows what's really good for us and yeah. loves us perfectly accordingly. That's right. Oh. Zach, thank you so much. This is just this has just been sweet and encouraging for my heart as we've talked and I've really appreciated yeah, just the way you I speak so pastorally of like, Oh, even to like, I feel it. (laughs) I'm like, I operate. I don't see you that much Mm -hmm. because we're just on the furthest campuses apart. That's right. But it's been, yeah, I've really enjoyed this time. Thank you so much. Very kind. Well, I appreciate being on. I I love it whenever I get to be on the weekly. Oh man. I I know Jay was excited to have you on the weekly at some point this summer. So yeah, I'm glad we can make it happen. That's right. But I'm so grateful. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And as always, if you're listening to The Weekly, you can go on, you can find more of our podcasts where we've talked to the different teachers uh, here at Thornton Campus at the Erie Campus and out at the Boulder Campus. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>